Thank you, Jesus. Well, we're going to talk about the plans of God tonight. The Lord's put this on my heart, specifically the plans of God for your life. And so I'm trusting that all of you are, are just what I said in the prayer, that you are desiring to be at the right place at the right time, that you are desiring, excuse me, to be in position for harvest. See, there's a harvest coming, a harvest time coming in the earth. God's getting ready to save a whole bunch of folks, getting ready to heal a whole bunch of folks. Amen. Praise God already doing that. But you know, family, I want to encourage you just because th that America's not going to be left behind in that. Amen. You know, we hear the report, 25,000 get saved in Peru, and praise God for the harvest. Hallelujah. But America's not going to be left behind. Amen. God would have to, there's too many people believe in him. The Bible says if we believe we receive when we pray that we'll have whatever we prayed for. Amen. And so there's a lot of people believing they received for America. Hallelujah. There's a lot of prayers going forth. And so there's a there's harvest coming and it's imperative that we all be in position for harvest. Family, it's not life. I've told you this before, but I just feel led to say it again. The thing that God's doing in these last days, it's not life as usual. I told y'all before, the 1950s are over. Leave it to beavers over. Father knows best is over. Life's not like that anymore. How many of you know that? And life is not the, it's not the same as it used to be. It never will be the same as it used to be. Get over it and get in the flow with end-time harvest. Get in an end-time harvest mentality. Get in an end-time harvest flow. Hallelujah. Amen. And so God wants you to think like that. And he has a plan specifically for every one of you. He wants to use every person in this room, no matter what the age, he wants to use every person in this room in his end time harvest. Amen. I'm telling you, we've got little kids that are going to school and witnessing and getting their friends saved. Kids in this church, I'm talking about kindergartners. Amen. We've got them in this church. It's already happening. God wants to use them in harvest. Hallelujah. And God will use a three-year-old. Hallelujah. When a three-year-old or a one-and-a-half-year-old raises their hands and praises God in that right gene, I'm telling you, it has an effect on men. It'll cause grown men to fall on their knees. Hallelujah. That's truth right there. And so God wants to use every one of you. Now, every one of you may not be a pulpit preacher. I'm sure that most of you aren't going to be. But every one of you, the God has something that he wants to use you for in the end time harvest. Amen. Praise God. Every one of you will be an influence in that harvest. There are There is an assignment on your life. There are people assigned to your life. And there are, let me say this, I don't want to be, I don't want to put any burden on you or anything, but there are literally people that will go to hell if you don't get in your assignment. Amen. I'm telling you what, people get saved because of Holy Ghost ushers in a church. They really do. People get saved because of spirit-led ushers in a church. People get saved because of spirit-led, spirit-anointed musicians in a church. I mean, that's the truth. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost nursery ministers, it, it, it's imperative that we have them. Hallelujah. And pastor can't do it all. Amen. Pastor doesn't want to do it all. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. And he couldn't if he did want to. He can't sing for one thing. 
It runs in his family big. They don't sing happy birthday at their family. I'm the, I'm the only one in the whole Billings family that can sing. I have to sing all the happy birthdays. And I don't sing that great, but I can carry a tune in a bucket, you know, and they can't even do that. And, uh, I mean, it's just, they just kind of skip that part about happy birthday, you know. And... Uh, <laughs> And so he can't do it all, and he doesn't want to do it all, and I don't want to do it all. And my prayer is, in Psalm 89, I pray that for my husband, Psalm 89, and it says that God will lay help on him. And so I pray, Father, I thank you that you lay help on him. Well, you are the answer to that prayer. God is divinely orchestrating a body here. We are asking God to add to this church, and we're asking him to add two kinds of people. We're asking him to add people that we can help, and then we're asking to add people that can help us. Hallelujah. Because, you know, there are people with gifts and talents and abilities, and God wants to use them. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Sometimes it's uh, it, it has to do with finances sometimes. Sometimes it, do, it doesn't all have to be singing. See, a lot of times we think if we don't preach or sing, there's no place for us to be used in the body of Christ. And we sort of look at ushering as sort of a lower class. Uh, uh, I mean, now that's how we've kind of been taught, that ushers are just bucket passers. I mean, isn't that what you came out of? Hallelujah. I mean, in fact, in the church that I was in, that really is all they were. They didn't have any concept that they were anointed, didn't even have any concept that they should be faithful, didn't have any concept that they were ministering out of a gift of God. They didn't have any concept of that. They stood, sat back there right where Jim's sitting, only they clipped their fingernails in the church we came out of. You could hear them clip, 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 clip. I mean, if you want this pastor's wife to kind of to get, I mean, if you want to, I mean, I kind of get where my, you know, where my claws come out and, and fire comes out of my eyes when I hear the clipping of fingernails in church. <laughs> well, I mean, and so, but we can, we can have a higher, we can have a higher understanding of who we are in Christ. You are gifted. There is a gift been planted in each one of you. So don't worry about it if you can't sing. Hallelujah. We don't need a church full of singers and no nursery ministers and no, uh, and, and no ushers and no greeters and no bookstore ministers. We don't need that. We do need singers, and we're believing God for what we need. But we, we need you. We need you to find your gift, and God needs you to find your place. He needs to find you to find what you're anointed to do, what you're qualified to do. Hallelujah. And there's a place for you in the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Well, in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, and I'm going to read this from the Amplified Bible. So you can turn there if you want to, or you can just listen real carefully as I read it because there's the Amplified Bible. Some One person called it the multiple choice version because it's got so many words. It's so wordy. But in Ephesians 2.10, it's very good. It says, For we are God's own handiwork, His workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined and planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. I mean, this is so powerful when you realize that you are God's handiwork, that you are God's workmanship, that when you were recreated in Christ Jesus, that God had good works already. He doesn't, he's not just thinking, well, I, I, I probably could find something for you to do. I probably, no, he, he planned it all ahead of time. God is such a planner. I mean, we don't have to, you can just look up at the stars at night when you can see them get out from underneath the haze and you can say, God is a planner. 
I mean, God planned this whole thing out. You could, you could just study the human body and realize that God is a planner. Amen? I mean, it's just a wonder how God planned all that out. It's beyond human comprehension. And when he, he, he thought of you, he knew you before you were in your mother's womb, and he thought of you, and he planned you, and he put a gift within you. And you know what? He hasn't changed his mind, and you won't ever change his mind. No matter what he called you to do, like it or not like it, you won't change his mind about it. Amen? That's right. That's exactly right. And so it says in that verse that he has good works, that God predestined those good works, that he planned them beforehand. Did you know God is a predestinationist? Oh, not like these little churches around here preach. I'm sure there's some of those that teach predestination, that God chose two or three people out and told them to, to, to be saved and the rest of us are supposed to go to hell. That's not the kind of predestinationist God is. God's a predestination that he planned for all of us to get saved. He planned for for every human being to get saved. And he is a faith man. He calls things that be not as though they were. And he wrote your name when you were born in the Lamb's book of life. He's planned on you getting saved. He predestined you to get saved. And he wrote your name there. And if you don't get saved, he has to blot it out. Some people think when you get saved, he writes it in. No, he already wrote it in. And if you die unsaved, he's going to blot it out. He's a predestination. He predestined you for goodness, for blessing. He predestined you to walk in the works that he, he planned them all out beforehand. So if you're called to be an usher, it's pre-planned. If you're called to be a preacher, it's pre-planned. It's pre-planned for, for, for sound technicians and for music ministers. All of that's pre-planned. And nursery ministers. And family, it's not a stepping stone. Sometimes we, we look at these other ministries and we say, well, you know, if I'll go to the nursery and I'll be faithful, God will promote me. Well, it is true that sometimes when God has a call of God on our lives, He starts us at the bottom. You know, Jerry Savelle started as Brother Copeland's janitor and Brother Copeland started as Brother Roberts's hand do it all fly the plane but do everything Brother Roberts didn't want to do, man, you know. So it is true that God proves our faithfulness in those things sometimes. But it is not true that those are just stepping stones to higher positions. God has called people to be in the nursery, to minister to babies. And he has equipped them and anointed them to do that. And he has called people just to be Holy Ghost ushers. And so we don't, we don't want to take all our good people after they get good at being ushers and say, oh, well, you've got to start preaching now. And we're constantly starting over in the ushers ministry with people that don't know anything. No, we need anointed men and women of God that will stand in their place and that will do their job and that will take care of situations, that will operate in the gifts of the Spirit in ushering as well as from the pulpit. I was reading today about an usher who was out in the parking lot praying in the spirit and it was in a, a, a church that was in a part of town where they had to keep you in the parking lot an usher all the time because, you know, if you didn't, parts of your cars would be missing when you came back out, you know. It was in that kind of part of town. And, you know, some people would have a really bad attitude about serving in that position, but this usher was, he was in faith about this and he was praying in the spirit and the Holy Ghost spoke to him and said, there's a man in the pastor's office right now going through his desk 
And he went in the church and he saw the pastor's office door was open just a little bit. And so he opened it and there was a man looking through the pastor's desk. And he said, what are you doing? And he said, I'm looking for the bathroom. <laughs> and you know, they didn't, they didn't arrest him or anything. They just said, well, the bathroom's not in here. And escorted him out into the congregation and had him have a seat where the Holy Ghost could convict him. Amen. Bring him under conviction. He's a liar if nothing else, you know. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. So God's a planner, and he predestined you to take paths, which he prepared ahead of time, that you should walk in them living the good life. I want you to notice that living the good life. Because uh, family, no matter what the Father God has called you to do, it's got the good life built into it. See, we've, we've, we've experienced too many missionary stories in our church where they go over and live in a little grass hut in Africa and eat dog meat and things like that. And we said, man, let me get as far away from God as possible because I do not want to go to Africa and live. He said the good life. And the reason people live like that is because they didn't have faith. They didn't know about faith, and that's it in a nutshell. You family, you can prosper in Romania. You can prosper in Russia. And I know missionaries that are doing it. Amen. We know missionaries. I, I tell you, we went to Russia. I didn't know there were any houses in Russia. You know, everybody lives in a flat, in an apartment. It's in the cities in Russia. But we know missionaries in Romania who, who God arranged for them to have a brand-new four-bedroom house. I didn't know they had such in Romania. But God prepares those things for... God will prosper you no matter what. He's arranged for you to live a good life. Hallelujah. Well, now, he, you may, may have to make some adaptations, but he'll give you a desire for it. We didn't get along with the food in Russia very good. I actually lived on bread and water for 10 days. It didn't hurt me. I came home, I'd lost some weight a little bit. I thought I should have stayed longer. It's a diet plan. <laughs> it really is. I just couldn't do it. I don't know why. I just couldn't do it. But you know what? There were people in our group that were just, oh, man, this is so good, and they were just eating, and I just hadn't adapted yet. It was my fault, you know. I just didn't, I didn't use my faith to do it because the first day we were there, the dog in the the dog in the kitchen that got to me and this is in a restaurant not a home and, and, and the cat in the dining room that was the that got to me you know and it just it just got to me and but you know what um, there's you adapt when you're called you you it doesn't even bother you you eat things you didn't think you could eat and you like them amen and you like them and you call man this is the good life hallelujah Family, do y'all know that the good life is not just in America? Did y'all know that? Some people are in such a paradigm that they don't think they can have the good life unless they live in a little town. And some people don't think they can live the good life unless they live in a, I got to live out in the country and I got to have some space. I got to have some acreage. Well, that's great. God will give it to you. But family, there's the good life wherever God plants you. Amen. Okay, just to settle that. So taking paths, God has planned for us to take. Turn to Psalm 37 and verse 23. We're going to look at several scriptures about this. I want to stir you up to be where God wants you to be and to be what God wants you to be and to be at the right place at the right time. Say that with me. Say, I'm at the right place at the right time. I'm telling you, family, when you're at the right place at the right time, you can't help but be blessed. 
you will be blessed. So you'll miss God's blessings if you're not at the right place at the right time. Hallelujah. Psalm 37, 23 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. God will order your steps so that you will be at the right place at the right time. Hallelujah. Y'all believe that? Turn to Acts chapter 17 and verse 26. We're going to look at several. There's a, the word is full of this. See, it's no accident where you are. Acts 17, 26. And hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. That says that God determined the time that you were going to live in. It's not an accident you were born when you were born. 1940, 1953, 1981, whenever you were born, it's no accident. God pre-appointed. He appointed you for a certain time. Hallelujah. It's no accident the bounds of your habitation. You, God set the bounds of your habitation. It's no accident that you're in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. It's no accident that I'm in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And, and it's really the truth. We didn't know really hardly anything about Alabama. Not hardly anything. We were living in Texas. Never occurred to us we'd ever move. But God had set the pre-appointed times and the bounds of our habitation. And now, as I look back on the situation, you know, hindsight, as I look back, I realize that God had put something in me many years ago about the South. I've always been fascinated with it. You know, just in movies, I would be fascinated by movies about the South. Fascinated by Gone with the Wind. You know, I was fascinated by it. Fascinated by the Civil War. Fascinated by the antebellum homes. Fascinated by uh, Driving Miss Daisy. I, we watched that. That was just our favorite movie. And, and I was really fascinated by it from the standpoint of, you know, Atlanta and it was the South in the 1940s and all that. Just And see, you know what? That was God in my heart. That was God preparing me because he knew where the bounds of my habitation were going to lead me. Hallelujah. And so it's no accident where you are. You've been, your steps have been ordered by the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. It's a good thing to know. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. Or just let me read it to you because I'm going to read it from the NIV. Unless you have a new international version, you can just listen. He says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Pastor read that this morning, but I wanted to read it from the NIV. God has a plan to prosper you. He doesn't have a plan to make you poor. Or poor, as y'all say. <laughs> poor, okay. He doesn't have a plan like that. He has a plan to prosper you. He doesn't have any evil plans for you. I know one time several years ago, my husband, my, the, your pastor, he had had some problems in his body, some physical problems. And so fear w was trying to come against me. And so, you know, some situation would come up and the devil would tell me, well, you know, uh, uh, he would say, he, just little thoughts, well, maybe God's trying to prepare you to be alone. And that just those, those thoughts would just come every once in a while. And one day God spoke to me and he the Lord said, Debbie, I'm not preparing you for any failure. I'm not preparing you for any calamity. God's not planning on any. God's not planning on you having any failure. 
He's not planning. He's not preparing you ladies for your husband to die. He's not planning on him dying. Amen. He's not planning, preparing you husbands for your wife to die. He's not planning on them dying. He's not planning on failure. He's planning on success for you. He's planning on prosperity for you. And if you get in his plan, you'll have it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Turn to Romans chapter 8 and verse 38. One of my favorite verses. I use it a lot. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. I said 38, but it's 28. Jesus. It says, and we, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his plan. I like to say plan instead of purpose. God, God says all things work together for good to those that are called according to his plan. Not your plan, but his plan. Family, when you find his plan and you get in it, everything will work together for good. When you find God's plan and get in it, everything will work together for good. Now, I'm not telling you you won't have some things to overcome, but I'm telling you things in your life will be good and it will work together for good. If you would, turn to Proverbs chapter 3. I know we're kind of bouncing all over the word, but man, this Bible drill stuff, it does you good. <laughs> Keeps you fresh keeps your fingers nimble and your mind quick. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5. In that verse it says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding. Family, our understanding isn't worth a hill of beans. Y'all know that saying? Not worth anything. But in verse 6, In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Hallelujah. If we'll acknowledge God in every situation, in every circumstance that we come against, in every decision we have to make, He will direct our paths. Then verse 7, Be not wise in, your, in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. See, the worst thing we could do would be to think we were wise enough to do this ourselves. Because we're not. You're not smart enough to do it yourself. You're not smart enough to order yours. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care if you have a Ph.D. and you graduated with a four point. I don't care how smart you are. You're not smart enough to do it yourself. You're not smart enough to protect yourself. You're not. And I'm not. I can't do it. I've got to fear the Lord, depart from evil, acknowledge Him, let Him direct my paths. And then he says in verse 8, It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. It's going to be prosperity. That marrow to thy bones, of course, insinuates health, but it also insinuates prosperity because he talks about when, when we do what he says, that he makes our bones fat. He makes us prosper. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I'm excited. So if you're in God's plans, family, all God, all, everything's going to be working. There's going to be a flow. If you're in God's plans, there's going to be a flow. There's going to be peace. There's going to be blessing on your life. There's going to be increase in your life if you're in God's plans. Did you know, family, there is grace to do God's plan. There is grace to do what God's called you to do. Amen. Family, we need to t quit talking about how hard things are. Quit talking about how hard your job is. You're making it harder. Quit talking about how hot it is. You're making it hotter on yourselves. You know what? You know what, family? There's grace for this heat and humidity. Did you know there's a grace for it? There really is. 
There is a grace for it. Now, the first summer we were here, we walked around saying, oh, my Lord, how do these people live? My husband walked around saying, man, it's living in the South like breathing underwater. And then one day, and then one day, because we moved from like, you know, 10% humidity, something twin, 20. You know, they, one day we were out there, they said, man, it's humid today, and we just laughed. I mean, because it hadn't rained but four-tenths of an inch since January. How humid could it be? I mean, you know, the, the dirt was just powder. It was just powder. It was just, it, it, my mother-in-law said, it's just wretched out here. It, it kind of was. Um, and uh, so, uh, but I just realized one day, I don't want my lungs to be like breathing underwater. And so I thought, man, we got to quit speaking that. We have got, and so we quit speaking that. And so you know what we started speaking? Well, we started speaking, uh, we got used to this. In fact, in Texas, people would ask us, is it hot out there in Alabama? You know, they would ask us. I know they knew the answer. And they would say, is it humid? And we said, yeah, but believe it or not, you get used to it. And we've been confessing, you know what? And you know what? We're used to it. And you know what? We don't even hardly notice it anymore. We don't. Not like that first summer. We don't notice it because there's grace for it. I mean, God doesn't call you to live here and not give you grace. Did you ever wonder how people, how missionaries go to jungles and live? You know what? Grace. Do you know, hey, did you ever wonder how does somebody have triplets or quadruplets or quintuplets or whatever they, I mean, I don't even know. There's just, I, I don't even know the word for how many they can have now. How, how do they do that? Grace. Amen. Grace. Praise God. There is grace for everything God has called you to do. There is grace for your job. There is grace to go to school. There is grace to put up with unreasonable people. Did you know that? There's a grace to be married. A lot of people just don't learn to call on that grace. And so they end up not married because they didn't learn to call on the grace. They had a good husband. They had a good wife perhaps, but they, they, just, they just didn't know how to make it work and didn't know how to call on grace. Family, there's a grace to parent. There is a grace for it. There's a grace to mow your lawn. You need to call on grace. There's a grace. There is a grace to keep house. There is a grace. Life is not supposed to be hard. But we make it hard sometimes. Amen. There is a grace to teach school. Otherwise, how could they do it? How could they stand it? I mean, you know, you, you know what I mean. There's a grace for it. Did you know that there is a grace to be a, 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 an emergency room nurse? Somebody has to do it, family. There will, there will, as long as there's, you know, it's God's will for all his children to walk in health and to never have to need an emergency room. That's his highest and best, right? But as long as there's a heathen, we'll need emergency room. Amen? And, and family, you know what? There's grace for that. There is grace because I, some of you would faint if you saw blood. Isn't that right? Because you don't have that grace. God didn't put that grace on you. But he put it on some people. You know what? There is grace to be an undertaker. You know, uh, 
uh, with Jeffrey, he, he's a nurse and he's an emergency, sometimes emergency room, ICU, th that type of thing, nurse. And so I'm sure he sees some gruesome things. He told me one day, he said, you know, you got to have kind of a weird sense of humor to do these kind of things. You know, that's one way of saying it, but really what it is, it's a grace. Amen. It's a grace to be able to go there and have joy in the midst of all that, to be able to laugh. To have a sense of humor in the midst of that. And you know, there's that way for undertakers. We, 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 uh, my mom had a florist for a while and she rented her building from the friendly undertaker in a small town. And he had an office, uh, his stuff in the back. He was also a printer and uh, several other things. When you're in a little town, you have to do multiple jobs sometimes. And you know, he had a weird, weird sense of humor about the dead. He really did. He was a little strange about it. But you know what? It was grace. It was grace to do it. My aunt, her daddy was an undertaker, and they lived in the, they lived right at the funeral home. And we used to think when I was growing up, how do they stand this? How do they do this? I mean, they would just walk through there just as, you know, just by, you know, it was just, they just walked through there like it was their kitchen. It just bothered them none. It was grace because somebody's got to do it. Amen? And there is a grace for everything. You know, Fred, the undertaker, used to tease me because we were the florist, and sometimes, you know, they put a boutonniere on the dead man. And he would say, Debbie, just stick the pin in. It doesn't matter. You know, <laughs> you don't have to be precise about getting it on the lapel. Just jab it. You know, I told you he had a weird sense of humor. I, I, to be honest with you, at that time, I didn't have any grace for it. I couldn't go in the room. I had to just carry the flowers over and then let my mom go back and forth into the room, taking them and sitting them by the, the, the body and all that. I just didn't have grace for it. I couldn't do it. Amen. But there is a grace. I'm not advocating or trying to get you to be an undertaker. I'm trying... <laughs> What I'm trying to tell you is that anything that God calls you to do, there is grace to do it, and it's not hard for you if you'll call on that grace, if you will live in that grace. But God is not going to give you grace to do something that he didn't plan for you to do because he has a plan. Amen? Do y'all believe that? So I've convinced you that there's a plan. Tonight I want to talk about how do I know um, what the plan is or how do I find out what it is and how do, I, how do I get the plan of God for my life and how do I know if I'm in the plan? Well, we've just been talking about it. One of the main ways you can know if you're in the plan of God is, is there grace? Is there grace? If there's grace, then that's a really good sign that you're in the plan. See, it's not supposed to be that you get up in the morning and dread going to work and dread and hate work all day. Did you know that's not God's best? He said he came to give you life and life more abundantly. Did you know you're supposed to enjoy what you do? And if you get in God's plan, you will enjoy it. Amen? I know we had a, a lawyer in our church before, and, you know, he said... Uh, he said, man, God gave me a job. I love to read, and God gave me a job where all I do is read. See, you're supposed to love it. You're if you'll find God's plan, you'll love it. There's grace to be plumbers. There's grace for those kind of things. You ever wonder how plumbers crawl under houses? There's grace. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And family, there's also prosperity. 
in whatever God's called you to do, you will be good at because of the grace and you will prosper at it and people will esteem you in it. You can be an esteemed plumber. Hallelujah. You can also be a very prosperous one. Hallelujah. Anybody hired a plumber lately? You can prosper plumbing. It's the truth. You can. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. You can prosper waiting tables because there's a grace to it. I'm telling you what, those people rack up the money, some of them. Some of those people are making more money than you are. Waiting tables. They're working five hours a night and they are cleaning up. Because the grace and the anointing on their lives causes people to tip big. Hallelujah. I mean, Colin was waiting tables when he went to Raymond at Outback, and there was nights he's bringing in, a, there was nights $100 in five hours. Well, hallelujah. Now, I know there's people in this room not making $100 a night, $100 a day. Well, see, there's grace. It's the anointing of God on your life. So God can prosper anything if you're in the will of God. Hallelujah. Do you all agree with that? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm telling you what, God will prosper you in anything he's called you to do. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So how do I know? Well, that's one of the main ways is, is their grace. Now, it could be that you could be in God's will and just not have a clue how to call on grace. Or you might be counteracting grace with your mouth like we talked about before. Talking about, oh, this is so hard. It's so hard to go to work. It's so hard to get up in the morning. It's so hard. Well, we just make it harder when we talk about that. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't profit us to do that. So I'm trying to train myself to quit saying it's hard. My husband got on to me several years ago about talking about how I'm tired all the time. And I, he did. He said, Debbie, you say you're tired all the time. I would say I was tired when I wasn't even really all that tired. Do you know what I mean? It was just sort of like conversation. That can be what we do when we talk about how hot it is. Really, we're just making conversation. We don't really mean to, 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 to enforce the effect of heat on our lives. We don't really mean to do that. A lot of times we just don't know what else to talk about with certain people, and so we talk about the weather. Amen? Isn't that what we're doing? And so he got on to me and he said, Debbie, you're saying you're tired all the time. And so I had to break that habit of saying I was tired all the time. And you know what, family? I'm not tired. When I quit saying I was tired, I'm not tired. And I've learned to call on the grace of God. When I have to clean house, I don't always want a clean house, but I call on grace to do it. Amen? I call on grace to do things I don't like to do. Thank you, Jesus. That's what y'all do too, right? Amen. Or you're fixing to start. So here's some signs that you may not be in God's plan and that you need to make some changes in your life. One sign is chaos. Family, if your life is in chaos, it's a good sign you hadn't found God's plan. Bible says that God is not the author of confusion. So if your life is chaotic, something needs to change. And, and, you know, I'm not advocating that you just throw everything overboard, the kids, the wife, and everything. I'm talking about, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about getting with God and finding out from Him uh, 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 what His plan is for your life and beginning to get in the flow of that plan. In Ephesians 2.10 that I read to you first, He said, uh, living the good life which He prearranged and made ready for us to live. You might say to me, well, Debbie, you know, I know God has a plan, but I've messed it up royally. I know God had a plan for my life, but I goofed it up. 
I goofed it up bad, and I don't know if I can get back in the plan. Well, the good news is not only did God have a prearranged plan for your life, now if you messed it up, he has a rearranged plan for your life. Hallelujah. He rearranged the plan, and now he has a good plan. Hallelujah. And some of us have needed a rearranged plan. But he will. You know, my family divorced. My mom and dad divorced when I was grown and I was grown and married and pregnant with Colin and they and my mom and dad they divorced. Well, you know that shouldn't have ever happened. I think they probably realize that now. But you know, they they committed after they divorced, they committed themselves to God. I guess the stress of all that. And you know what they did? They started seeking God and God gave them mates. That both of both of they them have a most wonderful mate who has been so good to them and has he has prospered them so much they are both completely out of debt and prospering both families and see it you think to see divorce causes you to be poor my when my mom and dad divorced my dad he, he didn't get anything except his clothes and he used uh he started out and he had uh he said i get to change furniture every week because he was using boxes from the grocery store for his furniture but see, when you seek God, God starts blessing you. When we went out there, my dad said, now my dad's a banker, you understand, and you, sometimes we don't understand that bankers don't necessarily have money, but at that time, he didn't. But God has prospered him because he began to seek God. He was a tither. He tithed, and he, he served God within to the best of his knowledge and within the light he had. And you know what? God has blessed him. He told us, I'm totally out of debt. My house is paid for. My car's paid for. I mean, I'm, you know, he's blessed. And God had a rearranged plan for their lives. He gave them good spouses who love my kids. I'm an only child, except I've got all these stepbrothers and sisters now. But my, my, my mom and dad's spouses love my kids more than they do their own grandkids, and it's obvious. They do. See, it was a rearranged plan, but I'm telling you what, it was good. So don't despair if you've messed up some things. God will re He's got a rearranged plan, and it's good. Hallelujah. Thank God. Another sign that you might need to make some change is lack of provision. See, if you're not being, if you, if you, if, let's just put it this way. You may have a, a little stretch financially, but if you can't pay the electric bill and you can't pay the, the, the house payment and you can't pay, if you can't pay, I'm talking about they're coming to cut the electricity off. Wake up. This is not God's will. This is not God's way. He's not trying to teach you something. You are missing it somewhere. Wake up and find the plan. God said in Philippians 4:19, "My God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus." Now I'm not talking about every whim and won't you won't. I mean, sometimes we have to believe God and wait on those things, so and wait. But I'm talking about that that you cannot, you are you are not paying your bills. You are not paying your bills. There's something wrong. Wake up. Get in the plan, because in God's plan there is provision. But when you miss God's plan and get out of his plan, a lot of times there won't be provision. God told Elijah, he said to go to the brook, uh, Cherith, and he would cause the ravens to feed him there. But there came a day when the ravens left and the brook dried up. And, had, and he told him, get ye down to Zarephath. 
and I've caused a widow there to provide for you. Well, how many of you know if he hadn't gone to Zarephath and he had insisted on staying by the brook, it, you could get mighty hungry there. Hallelujah. You've got to be in God's plan to have provision. Hallelujah. Okay, a lack of peace could be a, a sign that you need to make some adjustments in your life. If you don't have peace, family, you should have peace. You should be able to sleep at night. Amen. And I know that now, see, there are times when the devil attacks us and we have to resist him. But I'm talking about a pattern here. I'm talking about a pattern of unrest. I'm talking about a pattern of not having peace. If you're not in peace, the majority of the time, except for those times when you just have to resist for a few minutes the temptation that Satan brings to get out of peace, then it's a good sign you are not in God's plan. Amen. Another sign that you might mean to make some adjustments and get in a different plan is spiritual dryness. If you are dry spiritually, you are not in God's plan for your life. You are to be a well-watered garden. You are to be like a tree planted by the river of living water. You're supposed to be bearing fruit spiritually. You should be fed and satisfied. I'm not talking about... I'm, we have a hunger for God, but I'm talking about you should be growing spiritually and you should be... You should be alive and on fire. There should be a vibrancy and a life and a freshness to your life. And if there's not, you've missed God's plan. Now, it might not be that you're in the wrong job. It might be that you are in the wrong church. You're in the wrong place. See, you can be in a good place and it not be God's plan. It be dry to you. Amen. See, you should be, you should be flourishing spiritually. And then another sign might be a husband and wife in disagreement. If the husband and wife are not in agreement, that could be a sign that you're not in God's plan. There should be a unity between husbands and wives. We should be hearing the same voice, marching to the same drummer. Amen? God, we're, there should be unity in our lives. And when there's not unity between husbands and wives, one of you is not in the plan. Hallelujah. The next thing is continued strife. Now, I'm not talking about having a little tiff at your house every once in a while. There's a real devil. And pastor says, you don't even have a marriage if you agree all the time. And that's really the truth. One of you is, one of you is a blank screen. If you never have a tenth. I mean, I'm talking, I, but, but I mean, if there is a continual strife in your life but in, or in your job, at, at your job, there's a good sign that, that you're not in God's will. God's called us to peace. God's called us to rest. And, and the Bible says that when your ways please God, that he makes even your enemies to be at peace with you. They may hate you with a passion, but they'll, they'll be at peace with you because at your job I'm talking about, I hope your husband doesn't hate you with a passion. <laughs> I mean, let's just, I, ho I hope y'all made that transition there to job. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank God. Thank God. Another sign that you might need to make some adjustments in the plan is the lack of joy. We should have a joy in our lives. Hallelujah. Even when we're in the faith walk. See, some people think, oh, I'm in a trial. Oh, y'all pray for me. The Bible, you know what? When people talk like that, they are just flat in unbelief. The Bible says there is joy and peace in believing. There is joy and peace in believing. And when people are walking around whining because they're in a trial and y'all pray for me, the devil's really been attacking me. 
Well, family, when they, people talk like that, they are just in unbelief. Now, I'm not saying we need to throw them out on their ear, but we do need to recognize that in our own lives. And we need to say, hey, there's supposed to be joy here. Even when I'm in the faith walk, there's supposed to be joy. Amen. Even when I'm believing, man, even when my body doesn't feel like it's supposed to feel and I'm believing God for healing, I'm telling you what, we're supposed to have joy. There is joy and peace in believing. Hallelujah. That's right. So when you're really believing, you're going to have joy. And so when there's a lack of joy in our lives, if you, don't, if, you, if, you don't, if, if you don't get up happy and aren't happy all day, you're probably not in God's plan. Like I said before, you're not supposed to hate work. You're supposed to enjoy coming to work. We enjoy what we do. Amen. We had great joy in pastoring in West Texas. Enjoyed it immensely the whole time. Had some trials to overcome. Had some people that were a trial sometimes. You know, people will be people everywhere as they're the same. And, you know, but still, had a, just enjoyed it. Just enjoyed doing what we did. Amen. You're supposed to be enjoying what you're doing. Hallelujah. Another thing is a lack of progress. You are, if you're not making progress, see, you should be on the increase. Family, if your life is the same as it was last year, if you're financially the same, if you're, if you don't, if you're not increasing, then there's something wrong. You're not following the plan. Because when you're in God's plan, there's progress. Now, uh, granted, sometimes we progress at different speeds. Sometimes we move faster than others. But you, you should be living better than you were last year. Amen. You should have better than you had last year. We have better at our house than we had last year, and we had better last year than we had the year before. Every year we've made progress, and we progress spiritually too. I'm telling you what, there's one thing that you can tell about when people are in God's will is they grow spiritually. And I've watched people for years because we lived in a small town so it was real easy to watch people and to really watch their progress. And we saw people out of God's will and we saw how five years, six years, ten years, just the same. They didn't change. They were forever the same. Same old problems, same old situations, not making any progress. Why? Because they're not in God's will. Hadn't found His plan, not submitting to His plan, not, not following His plan. Well, you say, might say now, well, how do I get into God's plan? Well, the first thing you've got to do to get in God's plan is not be afraid of God's will for your life. Already talked about that. Quit running from God and start running to Him. Realizing He's got a good plan. He's not going to leave you high and dry. He's not going to leave you lonely and without. He's got a good plan. And we've got to be quit running from God and quit being afraid of His will. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We'll never get in God's will and get in His plan if we're afraid of it. We'll always be ducking and dodging God and ducking and dodging the preacher. Really. Like we, used, we always say, you know, when you can tell when people are ducking and dodging God because when they, they, they get, if they do come to church or sometimes they don't and you just see them in a restaurant and they always have the tuck head, we call it. You can tell when people are running from God, they get the tuck head. See, family, if you're in God's will, you can just hold your head up. It don't matter what people are saying about you. You don't even have to. You can come to this church and then go to another church. And you, if you're doing God's will, just hold your head up about it. Just hold your head up. Because God will. There will be a time when God leads some people different places. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Thank God. I mean, not that you're being led, but thank God that we can go freely and hold our head up. Well, this is not prison. You have not been, you, 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 you are planted, not incarcerated. And you do not have to be afraid of this preacher or this preacher's wife. Man, we're going to bless you. We're going to bless you. And you don't have to be afraid of God either. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Um, if we're convinced that whatever God's will for our life is, is going to be really difficult, which would be a lie of the enemy, right? Then we're going to ignore the prompting that's on the inside of us. See, God's prompting you. We need to know that. That God's prompting you, and if you're, if you just assume because of a paradigm of just you know wrong teaching, that it's going to be really difficult. Well, my word, God wouldn't want me to have something I want. Well, it's really totally the opposite of that. See, I know uh, Kevin and Annie Durant. Many of you know them. When they were living in Tulsa, they began to want to move to Birmingham and be in Pastor Scott Webb's church. You know, they're traveling evangelists, and they wanted to. They began to want to do that. Well, you know. It, it, they resisted it because they said at first, you know, it, our thinking was, well, if we want it, that surely can't be God. And then one day it dawned on them, hey, God moves us by desire. So when I want something, it's God. When I want something, that's a good sign it is God. Hallelujah. I mean something moral. You know what I'm talking about. Okay. Number two, if, how do I get in God's will? You need to know that God's will for your life will probably be something you already know how to do. Family, if you're 40 years old and you've never touched a musical instrument, it's likely the call of God on your life is not going to be in music. It's just that simple. God has been preparing you for years because God is a faith God and he calls things that be not as though they were. Even before you were saved, he started ordering your steps and training you to do things that he was ultimately going to have you to do. And so he had you work for people sometimes that you had to overcome because he wanted you to get used to, to, to learning to flow with people and different things. He, he, he prepared you. He ordered your steps. And so what God's asking you to do, you may not have specifically done it, but you will have done something like that. Amen? And you're going to be prepared for it. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. He's an expert planner. Verse number three, the, how do you get in God's will and God's plan? Is submit to God's will even before you know what it is. See, when you tell God, God... I trust you so much that I'm going to tell you up front, I will go where you want me to go, and I will do what you want me to do. God likes that because it demonstrates trust in him. In, instead of having the attitude, well, you show me what it is, and I'll think about it, God. No, we got to have our heart real pliable before the Lord. And we got to say, Lord, no, not my will, not my will, your will. Not what I want, what you want, Lord. Amen? Because God has a good plan for you. See, God has a better plan for you than you have for yourself. Hallelujah. Number four, hearken unto God. Deuteronomy chapter 28. We got to hearken unto God. This is the one key 
this hearken unto God that will turn your whole life around. In verse 28, chapter 28, verse 1, And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Well, hearken means to hear and obey. That's all it means, to hear and obey. And if you will hearken, he said, all these blessings will come on you. And not only will they come on you, they will overtake you. You won't have to strive to be prosperous. You won't have to strive for the blessings of God. It will come on you and overtake you. Verse 3, he said, blessed shalt thou be in the city and blessed shalt thou be in the field. See, it doesn't matter where God puts you, you'll prosper. You'll be blessed. Number four, uh, verse four, blessed shall be the fruit of thy body. That's talking about your children, but it's also talking about the health of your body, that my body bears good fruit. It doesn't bear cancer. It doesn't bear tumors. My body bears good fruit. Blessed is the fruit of my body because I hearken unto the voice of the Lord my God. And the fruit of my ground, that's talking about where you live, the place I live, the ground I live on is blessed, but it's also talking about the ground I put my seed in. Where I plant my seed, it's blessed. Amen. Amen. You see, everything's blessed when we hearken. And the fruit of thy cattle, I'm telling you what, family, your cattle are blessed. Your, your animals are blessed. Your dogs are blessed. Your cats are blessed. Your birds are blessed. Your hamsters and gerbils and or gerbils or whatever those are. I think they're little rats. But anyway... <laughs> Whatever you've got, and if you like them, your goldfish, they are blessed when you hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God. And the increase of thy kind and the flocks of thy sheep. He's talking about your job is blessed. Blessed shall be thy basket and blessed shall be thy store. That's your, your bank account, your pocketbook, and your savings account. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 6, blessed shalt thou be when you come in and blessed shalt thou be when you go out. When you come in in the morning, go out. We're, Blessed all day long, every day, in and out, no matter where, you're blessed. The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way and flee before thee seven ways. The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses and in all that thou settest thine hand unto, and he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. The Lord shall establish thee and holy people unto himself as he has sworn unto thee if thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways and all the people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord and they shall be afraid of thee God's going to bless you if you will hearken Amen. So that's important that we do that. God's not going to bless what you choose to do He's going to bless what He has chosen for you to do Amen uh, So I want to talk to you tonight in that under that about hearkening about hearing and obeying family we need to learn to obey the promptings some of you are so trying to hear a voice that you're missing the voice quit trying to think about a voice and start obeying the promptings the little promptings inside of you see you've got to believe that you are filled with the Holy Ghost that God is inside of you and when you have a thought that 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 thought 
comes from God, that idea, that unction to do something, that unction to call, that unction to, to act, that unction to go here, that unction to pick up the paper. Begin to obey the promptings. That's hearkening unto the voice of the Lord your God. And you will get used to hearing the voice of the Lord your God, and it will get to be a very commonplace thing to you. Amen? Amen. See, God can't do anything for someone that won't hearken. Uh, the fourth thing that we need to do to get in the plan of God is to listen to our spiritual leaders. See, God is not trying to hide anything from you. He's not trying to hide his plan. He's not trying to hide his will from you. And so when you listen to your spiritual leaders, he uses them in messages, sometimes when they're talking to you directly, but he uses them to give you cues or clues to what he's trying to tell you. He uses them to confirm things that are already in your heart. He uses them to stimulate you to think. Amen? But we need to listen. We need to hearken. See, you know, we were, like I said, we were in a paradigm in West Texas. Because, see, it never crossed our mind that we would ever leave. Never. It never crossed our mind. We thought we would pastor that church till Jesus came back. And one time my grandfather, of course my grandfather came from a Baptist background where pastors leave like every two years or so, one to two years, something. And so he, oh no, y'all will move. No, we won't. We will not, Grand Grand. We are going to be here forever. You know, and so that's what we, so we had a paradigm. Well, but one thing we did do is we listened to our spiritual leaders. And in the beginning of 1995, God spoke to our heart, so the pastor's heart, and said, I want you to hook up with three men. And he told him, hook up with Patrick Norris, Scott Webb, and Mark Brzee. We knew Patrick Norris, but we did not know Scott Webb, except he had shook his hand one time at a meeting, and we did not know Mark Brzee at all personally. Only thing we knew about him is that Colin had gone to Rama and was volunteering in Mark Brzee Ministries, just going down and making tapes and stuff for him. That's all we knew. Well, we heard that Mark Brzee was going to be three hours from our home in Seminole. God had told us to hook up, so we went to the meeting. And so we're at this meeting, and about the third, and, and, and we were planning on, let's see, it was, it was Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday night, but we were going home Saturday afternoon because we had a service the next morning. And so, but, but it snowed, and I stand in Dallas, and Mark couldn't get out of the airport in Dallas, and so Thursday night, Mark's not there. He's supposed to be there Friday morning. Friday morning, Mark's not there. We were just like, give us Mark by the time he, I mean, we won't Mark, you know, and we had never heard him. And, but on Friday night, we heard him. It was so good. I mean, God touched our heart. God was ministering to us. Saturday morning, we go to the meeting. God's ministering to us. He touched our heart. Saturday afternoon, we went to the meeting. God ministered to us and touched our heart. And we're going, we need to go home. We need to go home. No, we're staying. Let's have another night at the motel. We don't care. We'll get up at 4 in the morning to be at our service three hours away in Seminole. And we did, didn't we? Myron and Leanne were with us. We spent the night in San Angelo another night and went to that Mark Brzee meeting. And he called us out that night. And see, sometimes you got to be you got to be hungry and you got to be drastic you got to do drastic things because that's pretty drastic for me to get up at four in the morning to go to church the next day and be at your service and so we did and he said to us in that service never crossed our mind we were leaving but he called us out and he said he said uh, increase increase is coming in two directions in your life and then he went on and said some other things but when he said increase and we, you got to understand we had a lot of our people there with us and so God said it in a way where it didn't tear up the whole church right then you know you're leaving he didn't say that he said uh, um, he said increase is coming in two directions but when he said increase we heard change 
We heard him say, we, so for six weeks we walked around saying, Mark Brzee said change is coming in two directions. And we started seeking God, change. What's, what's changing? Still never occurred to us, we're moving. But see, God was giving us a clue through one of our spiritual leaders that he had told us to hook up with. See, we need to listen to those things. And we listened. And so six weeks later, we finally got the tape. We ordered it. I think God delayed that tape on purpose for six weeks. We thought those people were so incompetent. Why can't they get us this tape? We ordered it for six weeks. We're waiting for this tape of this prophecy. It was God because for six weeks we went around thinking change is coming in two directions. Change is coming in two directions. Father, where's the change? What is changing at our church? We thought we were just, something was changing. We thought a lot of, we didn't know we were moving. Right? I mean, y'all see that? And, but that tape finally came. It didn't even say that. It didn't even say that. But God had got his point across. Amen. Praise God. See, we need to listen. We need to listen. Now, I'm winding down here. Y'all hang on just a minute. Number five, we need to repent for past mistakes. We need to repent when we didn't consult God. See, a lot of people realize they've made past mistakes. I talked to some people recently, not in this church, but talked to some people, and they freely admit they've made mistakes. But I just, for some reason, it just came up in me. I said, well, have y'all repented? And they said, well, no, I don't guess we've ever really repented for not... And we, I said, well, you need to repent for not consulting God. Family, you need to wipe the slate clean on the places you've messed up and start fresh. Amen. And so I know that's really simple, but some people don't think to do it, so I wanted to tell you tonight. The next thing you need to do is believe God to get you out of any messes that you got yourself into. Amen. If you got yourself in a mess, believe God to get you out. He will. He's a God of grace and mercy. When you repent, he'll get you out of debt you got yourself into. He'll get you out of houses you shouldn't have bought. He'll get you out of cars that are lemons. He'll get you out of things you shouldn't have been into. By the way, if you've got a car that's a lemon, you didn't consult God. Hello. You might as well admit it. God doesn't lead us into any failure. And you might as well say, I got this one because of lust or whatever I got. You can get car lust. Just go down to the new car lot. That smell just gets on me. I just have to stay away. I mean, I'd, I'd like to drive one that was brand new, two months old all the time. Because I just, that smell. There's something about that smell. It is just better than any perfume. They ought, you ought to invent how you could, in a spray bottle. I mean, you could be a millionaire with spray bottle. But see, God doesn't lead us to lemons. Amen. Hallelujah. Just go ahead and admit it. It's true anyway. Thank you, Jesus. And he'll get you out of it, though. I'm thankful for that. He's gotten us out of a lot of messes. I'm not up here condemning you. I know. I'm teaching from experience. Number seven, you need to start walking out the plan of God. See, when you discover you're not in God's plan, when you discover that you need to make some adjustments in your life, it's not abracadabra. He can't, you can't just wave a little wand and get there. You've got to walk it out by faith. Amen. You got to walk it out. You got to walk. You got to just follow him. You got to start hearkening, and he will walk you through it step by step until he finally brings you to a place in that rearranged, prearranged plan that he had for your life. Amen. Let's stand up together.